Hi guys, and welcome back to my podcast, Not Your Average Twink, where I talk about what I want, when I want, whenever I want, because I can. Now, if you don't know what a twink is, I'm gonna need you to Google that. Um, I am Jake Delphin. Start clapping. And that is the sound of my fake audience. I didn't say stop. Anyways, let's get into the video. (laughs) Hi guys, and welcome back again. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to every single person that has actually been listening to me talk, because I know it's an ordeal and a half, but um, I'm really surprised that there are actually random people listening to me, so thank you for that. Um, I just hit 800 streams or something, which might not sound like a lot, but it's not like I'm being very serious with this, so I was happy with that, Um, but thank you anyway. Now, my voice is still a little bit phlegmy and gross, but it is Melbourne winter currently, so what can you do about it? Now, I have a question today. Have you ever been scrolling on Tinder or Hinge or insert any other dating app that you use? I don't know if you're gay, straight or what. And you come across a very specific profile, and everyone's seen a profile like this, let me tell you. Um, And it'll be a guy, and they're exclusively wearing hats in every single photo. Now, you may look at that picture and be wondering, why on earth are you wearing a fedora in 2023 or multiple? In fact, this person might actually have multiple fedoras in their cupboard, which is a crime against humanity. And I think if I ever went to this person's house, I would run out screaming. But we've all seen someone like this. They could also be one of those people who wears the caps, like one snapbacks. Don't care who you are. No one looks hot in a snapback cap. Um, But they could be one of those people who wears caps really high above their head, almost like there's a big gap in between where their head and the hat actually is situated. So I don't know if they're storing things in there, but you tell me. Well, anyway, most people who have hats and that many hats, a collection of hats, you might say, they usually just have terrible style. But there's actually a term for this type of dating profile and it is called a hat fisher. Now, if you've never heard of hat fishing before, it's basically where someone is constantly wearing hats in their photos to hide the fact that they are bald or have a receding hairline. I, like many of you, have actually fallen for this once or twice, Um, but I wanted to dive into a question that I'd always wondered, so I figured I'd do that today. And that is the question, why on earth are half of the gays balding? Um, Is it because God doesn't want us to be gay and is using hair loss as a form of punishment? Is it because God knows that gays are more concerned about looks and therefore he wants to hit us right where it hurts in the feels? No. Uh, There's actually some science behind this, and I'm no scientist, but I did actually live with a crazy girl who was studying science and engineering, Uh, so I think I'm more qualified to speak on this than most of you. So I'm going to go into some technical terms today that I cannot pronounce, and if I butcher them, not my problem, because I'm I'm no genius, even though I do claim to be one. Um, So Andrew... (laughs) androgenetic alopecia or male pattern baldness accounts for 95% of hair loss and baldness in men and it is actually one of the most common causes of hair loss affecting men Uh, people affected by male pattern baldness often experience hair thinning in a regular pattern so most people know there are predominantly two types of baldness in men you have the top of the head and the area surrounding the temples uh, and when they begin to lose hair there it's usually like a horseshoe shape that starts to form that is the worst type uh, because when I've, I have actually heard when you get when you start balding at the back of your head right in the middle, that is harder to cover and that basically means that you are going to go completely bald on your head usually and also it's much harder to hide it off at the top. 
Um, but there's also just the standard where the hairline starts receding, which is much more common. Now, I myself haven't actually ever had any noticeable hair loss, but I have looked back on younger pictures of me, especially there's one picture that I saw the other day of me in year 11, and I was like, wow, my hairline was really high back then. Um, so I definitely always had a high hairline for as long as I can remember. Even there's a picture of me in prep as well, where I have quite a high hairline and a big forehead. Um, yeah, I used to wear my hair kind of like, I remember... I, I or my mum would get a comb and just comb the front part of my hair up so that it's stuck up, kind of like Tintin. Um, <laughs> hard to imagine, horrible to picture, but anyway. Uh, so I did end up getting a hair transplant last year. It's currently been 12 months since I got it done. Now, I will save you the energy, and if you are someone who uh, knows me and has heard about my hair transplant, or you just don't want to listen to something gross about uh, surgery, then please skip to 16 minutes, roundabout, maybe 16 minutes and 30 seconds. This is future me talking, by the way. I just felt like I had to come back and let you know. Thanks. So I went to Turkey for that, um, and let me start off by saying that, was it worth it? 100% but it is a lot of effort. Um, and the surgery itself was, if you, if you want to really look up the specifics, I recommend that you go on YouTube and just Google, uh, sorry, you, like search up a video of someone actually getting a hair transplant, the way they transplant the hair follicles. So basically what happens, um, the operation goes like this. So they, there's two, there's multiple different types of hair transplant themselves. The old, the old style of hair transplant, they actually used to cut a, graft like a, a skin graft kind of like a whole strip of skin from the back of your head and then they would transplant the hairs out of your skin and then I don't know if they left this if they threw away the skin or if they stitched the skin back on but either way that then means that there's a bunch of hair that is not there anymore um, but with technological advancements it's much easier now so I think they have sapphire fue and which is um, more precise cuts of hair follicle that they get out and then there's just standard fue um, so basically what they do is they harvest hair follicles from the back of your head in kind of like a mismatch pattern so that it will so that obviously because once the hair follicles are gone there's no more hair the hair's not growing back but they do it in a way so that it's spread out and therefore because you have more of a dense hair um piece in the back of your head you won't see it unless you shaved your head bald and then you would probably see slight dots from scarring but anyway so i'll get into the story of my hair transplant in turkey so I went there by myself and I think about two people actually knew that I was getting this done. So I'd also gotten my teeth done, but I had not told, and everyone knew about that, but I had not told anyone that I was getting my hair done. So I'd gotten my teeth done first and I was very, very sore in the mouth because my whole mouth was numb, but I was enjoying my new teeth. So basically when you go in to get a hair transplant, you're awake for the whole time. You're under local anesthetic. So you really aren't supposed to feel much, but you can still, as with anything when you're under local anesthesia it doesn't hurt but you can still feel the sensation of things so basically you're on this massage table 
uh, and they have your head through the hole of the massage table. And this might sound really like unprofessional and sketchy, but that's that's just how they do it because they need to have access to you lying um, head first, face down, and then also with your face up so that they can do the different parts of the procedure. So you lie on this bed. They've Keep in mind also they've shaved your head prior to this. So I had never had my head shaved before in my life. And let me just say, if you've never had your head shaved before... One, it's probably not the best time to do it right as you're about to go in for an operation. But two, it is very shocking seeing your head completely bald. You look like a sphinx cat. Um, and it's probably way worse if you have a receding hair, well, a receding hairline or a high hairline like I did. But, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be that bad if you had a normal hairline. You'd probably just look fine. I ended up looking like a sketchy, kind of like a convict. Um, or like one of those British SJs. Um... So I've got my head shaved off and I'm like, oh my God. And I kind of thought about it and I was like, because I wasn't expecting to have to get your, your head shaved. They do say that it is pretty standard that they shave your head because otherwise your hair will end up growing back in different patches. But there's the option for not shaving your head. So I just assumed that I would get that done. But they were like, no, we need to shave your head. And since I hadn't told anyone, I was kind of like, how am I going to hide this from anyone? I don't know if my plan was even to really hide it from anyone or if it was just to... Buy, buy myself some time until it grew back a little bit but um so then they get you on this bed and they ended up giving me a drip actually uh about halfway through because the local anesthetic wasn't enough for me because I think I was still feeling it a bit I was a bit tense and sore around the head and then at one point in the operation I'm looking up at the light and I just realized that I wasn't I was just not even blinking I was just looking into this light and I couldn't feel my legs anymore and I was like, oh my God, I can't feel my legs. So I started trying to shake my legs and my legs weren't moving. And I was like, oh, okay, this is not good. But my legs regained feeling after about 30 seconds. But I swear in that moment, I was starting to hallucinate like an angel in this light of the ceiling on the, in the hospital room. Um, but then, so they start off by, um, they inject kind of like a saline solution mixed with adrenaline. So you know, like what you'd get with an EpiPen. They mix saline and adrenaline. The saline solution is to kind of like puff up your scalp and create a gap in between the skin and the inside so that they can remove the hair follicles easy and kind of like bloat your, your head up. Um, so they do that kind of by using... It's I didn't really want to see the tools myself, but it, it really felt like what they were using to inject this into me was like, kind of like a dart with a balloon attached to it. And a couple of times they did actually, the balloon popped and then you'd get a splash of this. <laughs> I don't know if that was supposed to happen. Well, I'm assuming it's not supposed to happen, but I don't know how well it was put on or anything like that. But um, so they're injecting this into your head to blow up your scalp. And it really does feel like a, like a dart going into your head, like a... And obviously it doesn't hurt, but you can really feel the sensation and it kind of feels like there is a dart getting like darted into your head, um, which I assume is what they're doing. I don't know how deep it goes, but they're injecting a saline solution into your head. And because of the adrenaline, you, your whole body starts to really, you kind of feel like you're in fight or flight mode and your heart starts racing really fast. And when you're laying on a bed, trying not to move because you don't want this person to miss where they're trying to hit, you start to get worried. 
shouldn't be worried. I, I could have distracted myself with something. In the end, I started listening to a podcast until the blood started dripping down my ear into my AirPod. But um, I was distracted after a while. But at the start, it was really scary. And I was all I was thinking of was, oh, my God, what are they doing to me? Even though I had roughly uh, learned about the procedure. I read up on it, but I had never watched a video because everyone knows do not watch a video before you get a procedure or operation done because <laughs> it's never fun. Anyway, after that's done, your head is really swollen. Keep in mind that, yes, there, there is blood when this happens. So then after that, they, um, they take, it's kind of like a, <laughs> a drill, and they drill the follicles out of the back of your hair. So you can hear this, and it feels like they're drilling into your head. It just doesn't hurt. So they're drilling out these little tiny follicles and the follicles themselves actually kind of look like little maggots. You'll see the strands of hair and I think usually they try to get out maybe like two or three hair follicles in the one graft so that that way when they implant the hair in your head it, um, it lays and will act just like normal hair rather than having one hair and then it would kind of look like a plug like I think that's the, that was the issue with when they first introduced hair transplants and first started using them. People would look like Barbie doll hair plugs. That's what it looked like. Um, comical, but mine doesn't look like that. Anyway, um, so they're drilling into the back of your head and you're bleeding this whole time and the blood's running down. And they're washing the blood away and everything. Then the third step, they start to use a scalpel to cut tiny little holes in the front of your head or wherever you want your hair transplanted. Now, one thing I wish I had have learned or changed, um, when I got it done, I would have liked the, my hairline to go slightly lower because I still have a little bit of a big forehead. But it's, it's not overly big. It's a normal size forehead. But I would have liked to have shrinked it before, kind of like that bitch off the Real Housewives. Not that bad. Um, but in saying that i'm sure i would have had more time to talk about that if i were doing this procedure in australia but also it cost me two thousand dollars it cost twenty thousand dollars plus in australia so i'm not really going to complain all that much still i feel like they could have um been a bit more helpful with that but i'm not going to complain i would have rather paid two thousand than twenty thousand anyway they're cutting holes in your forehead and yes you're bleeding even more at this point in time and they've got two people actually at once now doing this and they have the little tweezers and they start implanting the hair follicles themselves into your head. Now, after that, you're basically done. I thought that the procedure was going to take eight hours like they said. It ended up only taking six. So when they were doing this to me, I actually thought that they were still making holes, but they were actually putting it in there and I didn't even realize. And then they said, we're done. And I was like, oh, thank fuck for that. Um... So then they get you up and I had some lunch and everything like that. Uh, they gave me a couple of pills to stabilize myself. I think you have to take antibiotics and probably something that stops bleeding. Um, and keep in mind, you're also not supposed to drink or smoke before or prior, to, uh, prior <laughs> before or after this. Sorry, I'm mixing up my words. I have um, a really bad cold at the moment, so I can't really move my mouth as much for some reason. But anyway. Um, then you're done. So after that, you kind of look sketchy is a, <laughs> sketchy is an understatement. So you have the little tiny hair follicles and obviously over the next couple of days, they start to grow normal. So, but they're growing obviously with the rest of your hair. So 
but you will notice that their hair that was transplanted, obviously the skin is very pink and tender there and it's quite sore. You are not allowed to touch this because the first couple of days is really important. You have to be really careful because you obviously don't want to knock a hair follicle out, otherwise that hair follicle is gone. So then therefore you've technically lost a hair in your head that you're never getting back. Um, and I really stressed so much the first couple of weeks because I would see a hair fall out because obviously like you, cause your head gets all scabby and obviously like hairs are going to fall out, but that's not the hair follicle. That's not the hair graft falling out. That's just the hair on top of your head falling out. And every time I'd see a hair fall out, I was like, Oh my God, is my hair, like, did I lose another hair? Have I lost three hairs now in my head? I wanted more hair, not less. Um, so in the end I ended up going home. So I flew home on the plane and these girls on the plane actually thought that I, uh, they thought that I had like religious, like painting or tribal art or something on my head, which I mean, looking back on it, they probably, they weren't very smart because I don't know how you get that, but it was very bloody, very scabby. And also the back of your head is also scabby as well. But the back of your head, I will say must be very resilient and it does heal quite quickly. Like I would say that within two weeks, you wouldn't have been able to know that anything was wrong with the back of my head. And now you can't see it at all. And keep in mind, I haven't had my head shaved since, but like after a while that scarf fades and you can barely see it. Anyway, but fast forward a year later and my hair has grown back great. Um, like I said, I would have liked a little bit more, but it's fine. And it's really starting to regain its old texture now um, because at the start it was quite frizzy. But anyway, so that was my story about my hair transplant. Um, now let's get on to the actual topic. So according to the Australian Hair Loss Association, now I have no idea why that group even exists, um, but I guess there are weirder groups. For example, multiple groups of people that I went to high school with. All vegans, I guess. You could classify them as a group. I don't want to, but... <laughs> Anyways. About a quarter of males with hereditary male pattern baldness experience hair loss before the age of 21. I feel sorry for those people. Have you ever met someone who's literally like 19 and they have half their... Like their hair is scalped back. Like it's a very scary sight. Um, I have someone that I know who's... Yeah, completely shaved their head off, their hair off, <laughs> shaved their head. Um, and then I know someone else from back in Wodonga who has their hair probably halfway back through the back of the head. And um, I don't know what I'd do if I was in that situation, to be honest. Like, I, I was mad about mine. Mine wasn't even that bad. 66% um, of males will have experienced hair loss by the, by the time they turn 35. Nearly 85% of males will have noticeably thin hair by the time they reach age 50. Now, obviously, it's just a natural occurrence and everyone's hair, for the most part, is going to thin or recede naturally. I mean, it, it even happens with girls. And you'll actually find that there's lots of girls that have quite uh, high hairlines and, like, I guess you'd call wid widow's peaks where... Um, and it can actually happen, like, Jojo Siwa, perfect example. Um, if you tie your hair up as a girl in or as a guy with them in a man bun or in a ponytail. And if you leave that there for long enough and it's probably in for more times, for more hours of the day than it is not, um, it will start to like pull back, kind of like restrict your scalp and restrict blood flow. And that's when you lose hair. So obviously you can blame your genes and male sex hormones for male pattern baldness, but I would just like to blame my dad because he's to blame for many of the things that have gone wrong in my life. Especially that time that he told me that he probably killed my cat by running it over because it was outside at night. Uh, anyways, <laughs> and yes, that is a true story. Um, so hair loss typically begins 
with a receding hairline and progresses to thinning hair on the top of the head. Uh, and you'll find there's lots of, especially like people who have great hair, their hair is usually very, very thin and brittle. Uh, but like I said, normal. Um, if your hair starts to thin on the crown, that's way worse, like I said before, because that basically means that you're stuffed. So basically each hair has its own little follicle. So have you ever seen one of those like graphs where they have the, the chunk of skin, it kind of looks like a piece of pork belly, and then the hole and the hair sticking out? Picture that. Um, so the follicle obviously is a small kind of pocket-like hole in the skin. So baldness typically develops due to like a, like a gradual reduction in the hair follicle size, which then leads to shorter or finer hair. And basically after a while, the follicle stops producing hair altogether. And since the smaller hair follicles remain alive, I guess, in your head, they're technically still functional. That's where you have like topical treatments like minoxidil and stuff like that. So minoxidil is basically a hair regrowth liquid. And I did have some because you can use it for anything. It doesn't have to be for your top, the top of your head. You can use it for like to grow a beard or eyelashes or eyebrows. People who have cancer, I mean, get, well, they buy it so that they can regrow their hair back faster. Now, I actually had it because I wanted my hair to grow back faster when I had my hair transplanted and the hair was spouting up. But it is just, it, it takes, you have to apply it twice a day, excuse me, for months before it starts working. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't even have the energy to get dressed some days and you cannot tell me that I'm supposed to apply something twice a day for four months before I see results. But if you're a dedicated person, unlike me, um, minoxidil is great, I've heard. <laughs> just don't know for myself. Now, I was trying to do some research because there's literally nothing on the internet in specific relation to balding gays, which is surprising to me because, I mean, the only thing I found was on Reddit, but Reddit is a cesspool of random, <laughs> random people with very niche and specific questions that they want to ask or talk about. But, um, so I read and I read and I read and I don't do much reading, so you're welcome. And I basically came to the conclusion that the reason why gay guys go bald more often than straight guys, ding, 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 is because we have low testosterone. Now, I always thought that gays had higher testosterone than straight people, which doesn't make sense when you think about it. But I had always just thought that gay people had higher testosterone, even though it doesn't equate to how they act in real life. <laughs> Um, so I found a study. So they said the average concentration of testosterone in the, in the blood of a heterosexual was found to be 689 billionth of a gram per 100 cubic centimeters of blood. I love it how they say the heterosexuals as if it makes them sound like, it's kind of making them sound like they're like a mutant race variant on a, <laughs> in a horror movie. <laughs> um, now I happen to know people who have less money than that number in their bank account, but Anyway, can't relate to that. Um, in comparison, men who were judged to have been exclusively homosexual throughout their lives had an average of about 40% as much testosterone in their blood. Men who were predominantly heterosexual but who had incidental heterosexual experiences, because, you know, they're just like, they fell into a vagina, um, they had hormone levels about 54% of the heterosexual average. So even someone who was, let's say, a bisexual person still had roughly 50% of the, uh, the testosterone. Um, anyways, so basically what this study is saying is that every time you have gay sex, you're not just getting your dick sucked. You're actually getting the testosterone sucked straight out of you and you will probably die an extremely excruciating, terrible early death. But <laughs> if that's not a warning to stop you from being gay, then I don't know what is. I know it's not controllable, but pray the gay away. <laughs>
you're going to have no testosterone, can't build muscle, and you're going to go bald. Watch out. But it, what's really funny to me is that you hear studies and stuff like this all the time, and it really makes it so much harder to understand why people... I mean, I know they're uneducated and stupid, but... And even if you're religious, like, why do people still think that being any sexual orientation is somehow still a choice? Like, especially when you have clear scientific bases behind brain structure and body composition and whatever. But if you think otherwise, pick up a book. I'm not going to. <laughs> Actually, if you do want a book to read, I'll give you a recommendation. Uh, Leah Remini, or however you say her name, the chick who got out of Scientology that was on King of Queens. Her autobiography was actually really good. It made me learn a lot about Scientology that I did not know before. And it had a lot of juicy stuff on Tom Cruise, which I've never liked Tom Cruise. But there you go. If you want a book to read, that one. So if you are balding, as I mentioned before, there are a couple of things you can do. So like I said before, you have minoxidil. So minoxidil inhibits hair regrowth, but that's only if you actually had hair there previously. So it's not going to make hair sprout up where there's no hair follicle because... That would be a miracle. And we haven't had one of those since the birth of me in 2000. Um. <laughs> Apologies again for the way I'm talking. It kind of sounds like I have a lisp. Um, I also have a, I have all four of my wisdom teeth coming out. But one of my wisdom teeth on the side of my mouth, on the left-hand side, down the bottom, is I, we, I saw an x-ray for it and my tooth is literally sideways. I've never ever in my life seen a tooth completely sideways. It is completely sideways. And... It's got this pocket and I don't have a healthcare card at the moment, so I can't go to the free dentist. So I'm stuck like that until further notice. Anyway, then you also have finasteride, uh, which I think it's also known as Propecia. So it's either a pill or I think you can get it as a topical treatment to put on your head as well. So you take it daily and that halts balding in its tracks, basically. So it's, But it is something that you need to take every single day, basically, for the rest of your life. And if that sounds too long of a commitment to you, try signing up to uni for five years because I've just signed up to another two years and I'm really not looking forward to it. Then you obviously also have hair transplants and there is a growing increase in people also getting their scalp tattooed. Um, I met someone a while back who did it. And so it's basically this uh, tattoo. I'm sure it doesn't require any talent. Like I could be doing that. It's basically just um, like you tattoo dots so that it looks like hair. So it kind of just makes you look like you had like a buzz cut then you also have prp which is platelet rich plasma um so i think they also use prp for wound healing and like joint injury but i'd have to check for that um so that's you can use it for male pattern baldness to re-stimulate hair growth and then also i think they use it in plastic surgery um to enhance results so you can use it for your skin it's good for your skin under your eyes um, when people get Botox, they sometimes get that with it. Um, so basically what they do there is they draw your blood and then they spin it in like a centrifuge. And I think it's supposed to like extract all the bad shit out of it, basically an exorcism for your blood. Uh, and then they inject it back into you to promote growth or whatever else. Um, I think it's relatively new, but it's used for lots, lots of things, like I said. You can use that alongside uh, when you get a hair transplant to... To encourage more growth, basically, and make sure that everything has the best chance of surviving. Your other choice is to say fuck it and go bald. Now, I could never do that because I think I'd look like one of those monsters from The Hills Have Eyes. Um, <laughs> but there are plenty of people that do look attractive with no hair, I guess. And according to a recent study by the University of Pennsylvania, uh, young men particularly regard bald men as more handsome, dominating, and confident than their hairy counterparts. 
I have no idea why they put dominating in that study description because all I was thinking of was Jeff Bezos coming into the Amazon factory and telling me to work harder. But I guess that's not an experience that everyone's had. They also had another study with Tinder that showed that profiles of bold men matched with male profiles about 11 times higher than females, which is clearly because women are smarter, know they're being hatfished, or they're insecure and don't want to see their reflection in a bald man's scalp. Um, but I was really surprised by that because I always thought that uh, girls had a thing for bald guys, or at least girls have a thing for like ugly guys, but clearly gays do as well. Um, but I think the whole thing with gay guys and bald guys is that usually bald guys will have lots of muscle which doesn't really make sense because if they have less testosterone then it should be harder for them to make muscle but nothing makes sense <laughs> so i found some interesting facts about hair loss um, by country so czech republic 44 percent that is a lot 44 <laughs> percent i'm not gonna everyone there's ugly i'm saying it right now um, Spain, 44% as well. Germany, 43%. France, 41%. Britain, 41%. USA, 41%. Canada, 39%. Australia, 32%. Mexico, 30%. Japan, 27%. Singapore, 21%. And then China, only 20%. That's really surprising to me because I thought that there was something with China because you will even notice that there's lots of Chinese women uh, and lots of Asian women who have noticeable bald patches in their hair. So I don't know how these statistics work but i won't argue now just out of curiosity i posted a while ago on my instagram and asked who had began to show signs of balding or even just in the early stages and i was quite surprised so 53 percent of these are all guys on my instagram 53 percent said that yes they have experienced balding 10 percent uh which was three votes so i don't know how many people voted oh like 30 something um 10% experienced early stages of balding and 37% 11 votes no. Um, so basically all my followers are going to be bald. <laughs> I'm actually in one of these like anonymous um, advice groups on Facebook and someone actually posted today. I thought it was funny because I only joined it today, um, but I thought I'd read this out. My husband is 26 and almost completely bald. He started going bald around 22 and lost it rapidly. I started dating him when he was mostly bald. I didn't care. In fact, I have a mate. What? In fact, I have a major Patrick... St Is that the guy from X-Men? The bald guy in the wheelchair? <laughs> Go get some taste. Um, she has a fetish for him, so in a way it was a plus. I won't lie, I look at pictures of him before he lost his hair and I sometimes wish he hadn't lost it, but that's very rare. I'm sure he looks at pictures of me when I was trying to become a model and wishes I still look like that. It's him I love, not his hair. Now that's nice, but I personally cannot relate. I couldn't date someone who was bald. I'd be like, just get a hair transplant. I don't think it's that hard, but if they have a rockin' personality, then does it really matter? And someone in the comments said, I think it depends. If someone is going bald but doesn't obsess slash get self-conscious about it, it doesn't, let it, it doesn't let it affect their confidence slash the way they interact with people. I'm probably not going to see it as a major turnoff. I have a male friend who started to go bald very early. He's in his mid-twenties and he constantly wears a baseball hat, see, cat, hat fishing um, to make it less noticeable. I think this kind of attitude probably makes him less attractive to a lot of women and that's why he's got trouble getting dates. I'd have to agree because once you finally admit to something and admit that you have an issue, say, for example, with your hair, that's when you can start to actively find ways to improve the way you look. Obviously, if you don't want to get a hair transplant, that's not for everyone. If you don't want to wear a wig, <laughs> who's wearing a wig nowadays? Wasn't that like a thing in the 80s? 
Um, but like, go to your hairdresser and get a haircut so that your hair looks less balding. I mean, I was considering doing that, but I just don't previously before I got my hair transplant, but also I just don't like paying lots of money for the hairdressers. And the one I go to is $15, but, um, there's lots of different hairstyles that you can get where it'll, they'll cut it and part it in a way so that it looks like you're not balding. So just do that or just shave it off because I have someone who told me that once they shaved off their hair, they gained so much confidence, which I really don't believe. But if you do, then good on you. <laughs> it's just that this person happens to be the least confident person I think I've ever laid eyes on. Actually, that's a lie. Least confident and also somehow most confident. Confident bordering on delusion. Um, funny story, I actually went... I had a party on the weekend and some people were there and there was someone that I was friendly with and I was really trying to give him a chance because I thought that this guy maybe needed a little bit of positive influence in his life because he's very annoying and very conceited and strange. Anyway, um, he was at this party and he just tried to make the whole party and the whole night about himself, which is usual, but I was like, you're in a big group of people. Like you really can't be doing that. It's fine doing it with close friends, but like you're in a group of people who you do not know. Like you can't just hog all the attention and suck all the attention out of the room onto yourself. But anyway, um, we ended up, he, my, my friends ended up leaving cause I was just sick of him. And on the way out, one of my friends said something to him and I think that set him off and it made him a bit insecure. And then we ended up going out later that night with a couple other people. And I was only out for like an hour but I got really sick of this person because every time I, and this is what it's like in all gay, gay settings in gay friendship groups. There's always, everyone's always competing for each other's attention. So in the end, like it didn't matter what I would talk about. This person would then make up something like I was even talking about my hair transplant for some reason it came up because this person's bald and this person started talking about how they had had a hair transplant and it failed. Now, they just said that because I had a hair transplant, but why would you tell me that when I have actively had a hair transplant and you know that, and I know that you're talking through your teeth because you did not have a hair transplant and it failed because otherwise you'd have scars and you don't. <laughs> but um, anyways, I'll wrap it up there. This podcast was a shorter one this week. Um, I was just feeling really, really inspired because I dyed my hair blonde last week. Don't like it, by the way. I'm never doing blonde again. And I just thought I was inspired by hair. Um, <laughs> anyways, I will let you guys go. I want to apologize yet again for my weird lispy voice. It will probably be like that for a while because I need to get my teeth fixed out. And until they are ripped out of my mouth, this is how I'll be talking. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. And I will talk to you next time.